You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. It is not historically birthed good fruit. It tends to create humans who have less regard for people's concrete, material, bodily experiences than for either experiencing some spiritual high right now or their soul's salvation in the future. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery and this is episode 459. Our title this week is A Spiritual Awakening that establishes justice and our reading is from the gospel of john this is john 3 1 through 17 now there was a pharisee a man named nicodemus who was a member of the jewish ruling council he came to jesus at night and said rabbi we know that you are a teacher who's come from god for no one could perform the signs that you were doing if god were not with him jesus replied very truly i tell you no one can see the kingdom of god unless they are born again how can someone be born again when they're old nicodemus Nicodemus asked, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you don't understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak Speak of what we know, we testify of what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for god did not send the son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved so this story i think it's important to remember from the very beginning is a narrative that the author of the gospel of john creates where nicodemus and jesus they symbolize their respective communities the johannine community uh, of jesus followers and the school of the pharisees it's these two communities that are being represented here and before we try and extract something life-giving from from this for our justice work today there are a few things about the setting that I think are worth mentioning. So first, the setting of the story is at night. And this story element, <clears throat> it seeks to characterize the Pharisees at that time as as in the dark, so to speak, grasping to understand what, according to the, the Johannine community, believed was the truth uh, about uh, the world and about Jesus and, and just the way they, they viewed things. By contrast, the next exchange in the next chapter in, in the Gospel of John, it happens at noon when the sun is at its highest point. The woman of, of that story, the woman at the well, she fully discerns whom the Johannine community claims that Jesus is and uh, uh and and 
and they understand this truth. So, so as I've mentioned before, given how white supremacists have characterized darkness and light, we have to be careful with this kind of imagery in our sacred text. Again, we don't have to villainize darkness or blackness. Both light and dark are needed. Life is fostered, I think, when an egalitarian balance exists in our lives between darkness and the light. Too much of one or the other is harmful or destructive. So the binary, again, of darkness and light, it also has a particular history in the context of the Gospel of John. Um, you step out of our context and go back to theirs. And to understand it better, we need to consider early Christian and non-Rabbinic Gnosticism and proto-Gnosticism and, and first century Jewish apocalypticism. These are the soils out of which this story in the Gospel of John grew. And from each of these, um, narrative symbols and elements are artfully combined to cre- create this unique version of the Jesus story, which we call the Gospel of John. So, in Jewish apocalypticism, in proto-Christian Gnosticism, and then later Christian Gnosticism, a dualistic cosmology explained why our world looked the way it did. And by that, I mean dual being two. The, the, The dualistic cosmology it was often expressed in a binary contrast between good and evil, between darkness and light, between the flesh and the spirit or earthly forces and celestial powers and so on. The Gospel of John, it's believed to have been written during the time of proto-Christian Gnosticism or pre-Christian Gnosticism. And, and, and it, was the, it was the canonical gospel that later Gnostics favored. Early church father Irenaeus, um, he wrote in his book Against Heresies, the Ebionites, they favored Matthew only as the gospel that they read. The, the Marcionites, they favored Luke. There was a third group that questioned how humanity and divinity were combined in Jesus. They favored Mark's gospel. But according to Irenaeus, um, the Gnostics favored the Gospel of John, and again, you can find that in uh, the 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 uh, Irenaeus's writings against Heresies, chapter eleven, paragraph seven. But scholars debate the connection today between the Gospel of John and early Christian Gnosticism. This is something that's argued about. And those who have a high view of Scripture and its authority, they say that John was written in in the language of, of Christian Gnosticism so that it could address and combat Christian Gnosticism. I think this claim, though, it fails to explain why a gospel that was meant as a response to Gnosticism predates Gnosticism, that it's in proto, the era of proto-Gnosticism. Even the latest possible dates for the writing of John's gospel, they place it in an era of pre-Christian Gnosticism. So, so late Jewish apocalypticism, maybe. Early Christian apocalypticism, maybe. But I side, I side instead with... Uh, those who view the author of John as actually sharing many of the explanations of our world that would later develop into Gnosticism. This idea, for me, it explains why why John's version of the Jesus story is so unique compared to the other Gospels, and why that the, the why the language that's used to tell this version of the story is so vastly different than the other canonical Gospels, so vastly different from from Mark and. Matthew. 
Matthew and Luke. So, so there is a, a second binary in our reading this week between the flesh and the spirit that we need to address. And this is more relevant to us today. Certain sectors of Christianity today teach that we need to be born again because we are born uh, as human beings, either evil at worst or at least broken at best. And this is not the reason John's gospel gives. For the Johannine community, out of which this gospel was written, the reason for being born again is the binary of flesh and spirit. It's an example, once again, of that proto-Gnosticism. And in this way of explaining our world, the material universe is a negative, and it keeps our good souls or our spirits trapped in our physical bodies. Our spirits are are imprisoned, so to speak, within this material world that's characterized by pain and suffering. Salvation, then, is defined in this school of thought as when our spirits are at last liberated from our, our fleshly housing to live eternally in a state that is free from pain and suffering. And a lot of Christianity today still teaches this way of looking at the world. In our story this week, the Johannine community, it makes the, the ritual of baptism even, the, the symbol, being born of water and spirit. It's, it's the way to show that one uh, the, that the one being baptized, they've experienced kind of a paradigm shift. They, they, they're going to live by the spirit now and not according to the flesh. And, and, and this person will now live um, according to the spirit and the hope of being liberated from the flesh in the future to no longer live according to the flesh to use new testament language and 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 if all of this does sound familiar it's because the new testament scriptures are chock full of this way of explaining the world paul had some pre-gnostic ways of looking at the world as well and yet this way of understanding our world i think we need to be honest today it is not historically birthed good fruit it tends to create humans who have less regard for people's concrete, material, bodily experiences than for either experiencing some spiritual high right now or their soul's salvation in the future, saving souls. And this helps us understand why so many sectors of Christianity today focus much more on saving souls than, than working to save people from the concrete suffering and the systems of injustice that they're enduring in the present. And I I wish I had a nickel for every time that I've had a Christian say to me that as Jesus followers, we're to be about saving souls, not social justice. The Jesus of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, though, they don't follow that. They don't look like that at all. The, The Jesus of the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke is all about liberating people from what they're suffering bodily, from what they're suffering materially, from what they're suffering concretely in the here and now. His focus is never on liberating the soul from the body in the afterlife or leaving the body to go on uh, uh, the body to go on suffering while the spirit longs to be uh, uh, free. The, the, the Jesus of the synoptics of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that Jesus focuses instead on liberating people from injustice, from violence, from oppression, and marginalization in the present. So the Jesus of Matthew, Mark, and Luke 
is very enfleshed. And the work of the Spirit is, again, not to, not to escape all of this, but to establish justice. The work of the Spirit is to establish justice for those being presently harmed by whatever system they find themselves trying to survive. And lastly, this week, we encounter in this Johannine version of the Jesus story, a Jesus being likened to a serpent in the wilderness. In early Jewish and Christian Gnosticism and in later Gnosticism, the serpent, it was a symbol. It was praised and it was thanked for bringing knowledge. And that's that's the Greek word gnosis from which Gnosticism comes. That was the way to be saved. The way to get the spirit free from the material world of suffering was to gain knowledge. Um, and, and, and the serpent was praised for bringing knowledge to those trapped in this material existence of suffering. It kind of harkens back to those Hebrew stories of the knowledge of good and evil that the serpent uh, offered. So, so the serpent, again, it was the liberating savior and the bestower of this knowledge or this gnosis. And so this imagery is interesting that it's used here. The serpent was a symbol of healing later. It appears on the, the rod of um, Asclepius. Is that how you pronounce that? Uh, the, the symbol of medicine is what I'm referring to um, uh, with, a, with a serpent around the, the, the two. Sometimes it's two serpents around the staff. And many in Jewish Gnostic and non-rabbinic circles, they interpreted the story of Moses as lifting up the serpent in the wilderness through these lenses. This is a very Gnostic image. And the fact that it's in the Gospel of John and likened to Jesus is interesting, at least. This is, again, the context back then that we need to read this week, um, read our reading from this week. Like the healing serpent, for the Johannine community, Jesus was bringing knowledge or gnosis, knowledge of the divine, knowledge of God to those of us who are trapped in a, a, our material suffering. And Jesus, like the serpent, is the, the liberating savior pointing toward a salvation of souls from our bodies, yes, but salvation and liberation nonetheless. And all of this, again, was through obtaining knowledge. You can find this in John 17, 3, where it says, this is eternal life, that they might know you. So, so um, like those early believers, I would also argue for a Jesus who liberates. But here's the distinction. I would argue that that liberation comes through the teachings of that Jesus that enable us to establish justice in the here and now. It's a concrete liberation. It's not a liberation that comes by demonizing our flesh or our bodies and and then offering post-mortem liberation for our souls from our bodies in place of a liberation in the here and now. And lastly, in these these Jewish and Christian ways of interpreting the serpent in the wilderness, uh, there's nothing substitutionary about the serpent on the bronze pole or Jesus being lifted up on a Roman cross. Even within Gnosticism, there was nothing substitutionary there. The Roman cross is merely lifted. uh, It was merely the, the means by which Jesus was lifted up or brought to the attention, so to speak, so that many could could discover the knowledge that Gnosticism taught um, would liberate us, that the knowledge that Jesus came to give to liberate spirits from material captivity. Again, all of this is, is, is just very interesting that it would borrow this kind of language. And honestly, again, I find all of this 
deeply problematic. It creates more questions than it offers answers. And and the binary contrast of, of flesh and spirit, it too often quickly just becomes an opiate for for our world's injustice. It doesn't inspire us to get to work creating change. It it, it tells us just to look forward to the future when we'll finally be free instead. For proto-Gnostics, Jesus' crucifixion, it was the moment that his spirit was liberated from his body. Um, it wasn't the state-sponsored injustice that it actually was. And, and in that tradition, the resurrection, it has to be interpreted in some other way. Um, it has to be interpreted in some other way than, 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 than God reversing, overcoming, or undoing everything that was accomplished through Jesus' death. In the other Gospels, it's that resurrection that causes Jesus' teachings to live on in the lives of his disciples. In John, it's it's uh, a little different. Uh, other interpretations of the resurrection have to be given. So, a more life-giving definition of atonement for me, if we're talking about atonement theories, is... Um, if something is needs atonement, we're talking about something that has been fragmented, being made whole or one again. And this is where the teachings of Jesus do come in for me. I think they call their listeners to practice justice and compassion and inclusion and healing, us being brought back together as human beings, with as as recognizing our connection to one another. And and and, and they speak against marginalization. So so I would argue that uh, the use of the language of being born again, um, uh, we have to use that differently. If we're going to use that at all, we have to use it differently than those early Gnostic, John, Johannine community, proto-Gnostic. We have to use it differently than those early believers did. But I do believe that we still need an experience uh, like a type of epiphany, a paradigm shift, an awakening that helps us understand why we've been programmed by the systems of injustice that we're living under um, in this beautiful world, why we've been programmed just to accept them. So it, it doesn't matter whether we call that being born again or to use contemporary language, becoming woke or, or just coming to view the world differently than those benefiting from the status quo would have us view it as we operate within this system to, to quote michelle alexander author of the new jim crow this is from radical discipleship.net september 18 2016 without a moral or spiritual awakening uh, alexander states we will remain forever trapped in political games fueled by fear greed and the hunger for power so again if that's what you mean by born again I'm with that. Um, if that's what you mean, but 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 ultimately, what we're talking about is a spiritual uh, awakening or or a moral awakening that causes us to try to 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 endeavor to uh, work towards shaping shaping our world. Um, into a different iteration than what it's presently in. And I believe the teachings of Jesus still offer us a path toward that kind of spiritual awakening even today. So heart group application, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, how does 
this Johannine version of the Jesus story, the Gospel of John, how does it inspire you? Even with all of the, the, the binaries there, how does it inspire you to lean into choices that are more in line with societal justice? And share that with your group. Then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today. You can find Renewed Heart Ministries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you haven't done so already, please follow us on your chosen social media platforms for our daily posts. And also, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, uh, please like and subscribe to this podcast through whatever podcast platform you use, and consider taking some time there to give us a positive review. This helps others find our podcast as well. And also, again, I want to remind you that we are partnering with a new weekly YouTube show called Just Talking. Each week, Todd Leonard and I will be talking about the the gospel lectionary reading for the upcoming weekend. We'll be talking about uh, each reading in the context of love and inclusion and societal justice. And our hope is that our talking will be just talking as in justice, but that also during our brief conversation each week that you'll be inspired to do more than just talking. So if you teach from the lectionary each week, or if you're just looking for some thoughts on, on the Jesus story from a more progressive perspective within the context of social justice, this. Check it out. You might like it. Todd is brilliant in his discernment of how the, the Jesus story can speak into our lives today as we work together again towards shaping our world into a just, safe, compassionate home for everyone. He's he's worth listening to. And again, you can find Just Talking each week on YouTube at, at Herb and Todd Just Talking there at YouTube.com. Please like, subscribe, hit the notification button, and leave us a comment there. And if you'd like to reach out to us here at Renewed Heart Ministries through email, you can reach us at info at renewedheartministries.com. My, lastly, my new book, Finding Jesus, a story of a fundamentalist preacher who unexpectedly discovered the social, political, and economic teachings of the Gospels is now available at renewedheartministries.com. Right where you are, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.